The Pat Kenny Show. With the Jaguar E-Pace. Beautiful by design and dynamic to drive. Delivering performance that is unmistakably Jaguar. This is News Talk. Pete the Vet is here. Pete Wedderburn. Pete, good morning. morning. Uh, We want to talk about something we uh, addressed during the week, which was uh, this hemorrhagic disease in rabbits, uh, which has caused the suspension of coursing. No no license has been given. Um, It's a fairly nasty thing. It's it's a horrible virus, yes. And it's it's thing is, and the reason I'm talking about it today is it's not just wild rabbits and hares that are affected, but it's also pets. And I've unfortunately seen some very sad situations where people have had um, two or three rabbits in their back garden. They've come out one morning and all three rabbits have just, they're just dead. They just died yeah. with no prior warning. And they hemorrhage all. and that's how they die, their organs. It's, it's internal hemorrhage. So yeah. you, it's quite hard to make a diagnosis. Um, usually the rabbits just die quickly. How would those rabbits have picked it up? Well, that's the point. Um, there are some diseases like myxomatosis, which everybody knows about as well, um, which can only be spread by direct contact. So almost nose-to-nose contact, rabbit-to-rabbit or a flea hopping from one rabbit to another rabbit. However, um, viral hemorrhagic disease can spread um, in, um, by, by, in the environment. From, um, so, for example, on people's feet, it can be brought in um, to, to a back garden. It can be spread by birds. It can be spread by rodents. Oh. So it's actually just about impossible to completely um, prevent rabbits from being exposed, from being, uh, you know, from somehow meeting this little horrible virus. The first and thing is, can you vaccinate against it? Well, that's the point, is that you can vaccinate against it. But uh, unfortunately, I think that probably very few rabbit owners do, and that means that their rabbits remain vulnerable. Um, now, um, the, the vaccines available to this, there's actually two strains of viral hemorrhagic disease. There's the strain one, which is a standard vaccine that's combined with the myxomatosis vaccine. And that's a very effective for strain one, but in the last three years, this new, very nasty strain, um, strain two, has come in. And so there's a separate vaccine for that that has to be given separately. And a lot of people don't realize that. So if you've got a pet rabbit, you really should call your vet and ask them what vaccines are is available so that you can make sure your yeah. rabbit has the right ones. How do you protect the rabbits in the wild? You can't. I you presume. can't, un- unfortunately. The thing is, it, it is, like most diseases, it's complicated. And so um, although... Unvaccinated adult rabbits will nearly always just die. There's, there's, there's no treatment. There's no hope for them. They die. Um, but rabbits that are less than 12 weeks of age, very young rabbits, um, have some, somehow they, they can get through it. They can survive. So they carry it though forward, do they? Well, th- th- there's a risk that they can then carry it and pass mm. it on to other rabbits. Now, what about hares? Well, you see, they're vulnerable as well. And that's what the, the concern is. The concern is that just as in the past, myxomatosis has a devastating effect on rabbits, that this disease could have a devastating effect on the wild population mm. of hares. Now, uh, Myxomatosis was a venereal disease in the sense it was passed by mating, wasn't it? And, and that's passed by fleas as well, yeah. by direct contact. That, that was introduced, it was man-made thing introduced to cull rapid populations. Was it in Australia they well, started? Well, it, it was a benign d- disease of rabbits in South America. And what they discovered is when they moved it to other countries, because the, the whole population of rabbits was naive, they completely were devastated and they all died. So it was used in Australia to control the rabbit pest problem because rabbits are an introduced species to Australia. And then, of course, it came into Europe and, uh, and, and caused yeah. big problems but for us as well. But the rabbit population has recovered from myxomatosis. It's, it, it's probably still there. But it have is they still all there. built in an immunity now to it? Or the, the, There's an element of, of immunity now. So, 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 so it doesn't kill them all. It just kills some of them. But still, horrible disease.
Okay. But anyway, the main message is if you if you if you've got pet rabbits, make sure they're vaccinated and also pay attention to biosecurity. Do what you can to limit um extra material being brought to them and the exposure to wild animals and so on. Imagine you're trying to isolate them as best you can wherever they live, yeah. and that will help a bit as well. You presume that's not as big a problem in the urban environment um, where people are not necessarily bringing in uh, feces on their feet and all that yeah. sort of thing. But but it can still I, I still see it happening from time to time. Vaccination is the real answer here. Now, questions. Uh, looking for a non-shedding small dog breed for a family pet. The kids are 12 and 16, uh, respectively, and they desperately want a pet. Would prefer a dog that had a lower risk of long-term diseases uh, that might be costly. Uh, really like the Cavachon and Cavipoos, but here that Cavaliers are known for heart issues. Also looking at Shih Tzu Maltese or Multipoo or Cockapoo. Am I better at getting a purebred or a mixed breed? I know you can't guarantee, but looking for your steer on the best one to go for, we want a puppy so we'll have to buy as we most likely won't be able to get a rescue. Our dog will be on its own from morning until after school so it would need to be a confident breed. Are we better at having two of them to keep each other company? What a load of questions but all very much on point. This person is looking for a Stepford dog. <laughs> they want a custom designed dog that absolutely fits their parameters and I'm afraid such a creature doesn't exist. And I, you know, I'd have to say for starters I don't think it's a good idea to get a dog if it's going to be on its own from morning till after school. Really, that's not a recipe for a happy dog. Yeah. Now, um, dogs require continual company, really, or at least they don't they can't be left alone for more than an hour or, or two hours. Being left alone routinely from, let's say, half eight in the morning till half three in the afternoon, that's not going to be a happy dog. So I'd really be saying to them, look... Your children may desperately want one, but I would be saying you should think about other pets like guinea pigs or even a, even a cat or a couple of cats because they're, they're more um, independent-minded. They're less dependent on, on human company. And I would also say to you, like whenever I hear people going about Shih Tzus, Maltese, Maltipoos, Cockapoos, you're just jumping onto the fad of design and breeds. And I don't think it's a very good fad because – thing is, if you're going for a pedigree breed, then you would hope that the, the breeder of that dog has paid attention to the, to the health tests that are necessary for that breed, whether it's heart, eyes, whatever, so the puppies are going to be more likely to be healthy. If you just get somebody who's grabbed a, a poodle and a Maltese and mixed them together and is hoping for the best, it's actually less likely yeah. to be healthy. So, you know, I, it's, ju- it's just a fad. Leave it yeah. alone. And I'd also say to you... There are rescues that have puppies that need homes. And I say to everybody out there, forget buying a puppy. Go to a rescue centre because apart from the fact you're going to get great value, and this person is worried about money, as well as getting great value, you're also going to get great advice because the people who are based in rescue centres, their interest is to get really good homes for their puppies. The other thing I would mention, if they do end up with a dog, buy pet insurance. Always. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Pay a small monthly amount, then you're never going to get really stuck if your dog gets badly ill. So there's a lot there, but I would say start off by going to a good rescue centre. A question about a cat. Uh, Someone looking for a rescue cat. Is there such Mm. a thing? Yeah, there, there, there are. Now, this is interesting because... Cats are seasonal breeders, and so it means that at certain times of year there's a massive glut of kittens. At other times of year, they're just about impossible to get hold of. I'd also say to you, I think there's an issue with so many male cats, so many pet male cats are neutered these days that the only male cats that are left in the daddy business are um, feral male cats, and they can be big, aggressive, wild creatures. And their offspring will inherit that. And an element of that is genetic. 
an element, not all of it, an element of it. So I think that it's more difficult than you think to always get a lovely, placid, gentle kitten, which is what you want. So I would say when you are choosing a kitten, make sure that you choose one that is really, really sociable and friendly. Because if if you go for one that's a bit scaredy and doesn't want to come near you, there is a risk that may always be like that. A couple more questions. My husband and I are hoping to have a baby in the next year. My doctor told me I would have to rehome my cat, whom we love dearly, as he could pass on the toxoplasmosis virus. I cannot bring myself to do this. Do you have any advice as to how I can be extra vigilant? Ignore your doctor. That's what I'd say. That's complete rubbish. You do not need to rehome cats when you have children. Absolutely not. Um, and it's not... It, it's. It, that disease is, is way more complicated than that. First of all, it's not a virus. And secondly, it's just much, much more to it than just saying, don't have a cat. Okay, now we don't mean that you should ignore your doctor routinely, <laughs> just on matters veterinary. <laughs> on that veterinary. particular instance, <laughs> uh, really, doctor, um, look, people are more likely to get toxoplasmosis from raw meat, from handling raw meat, than they are from, from, from cats. So uh, please. Okay, a last one. Uh, when I bring my Jack Russell dog for a walk, he's constantly stopping and sniffing. Should I let him maybe do it once or twice. I feel like I'm pulling him all the time away from his sniffing he, targets. He's having fun. That's what dogs <laughs> like doing. I would let him sniff. That, for him, that's like reading a newspaper. It's, it's learning about the world. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's part of the function of a dog's walk. So just slow down, s- smell the air, enjoy the breeze and, and live in the moment and stop trying to drag your dog all over the place. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pete, thank you very much. If you want to hear more from the show, uh, download the new News Talk app. My thanks to the team, editor Emer Bradley, producer on Brennan, researchers Shiva Mulqueen, John Casey and Deirdre Mullins, broadcast assistant Amory Kane and Cormac McDonough on sound. Next up, Lunchtime Live with Kira Kelly.